Hello everyone, my name is Steve Ruggiero and welcome to the City Life Church. Thanks for tuning in tonight for our third installment in a series that's called Me and My Big Mouth. Now you might be wondering, in the middle of a global pandemic, why are we talking about our mouth and the words we're going to use? Why are we not talking about maybe building our faith to overcome fear or bringing heaven down to earth to defeat COVID-19? Well, a couple reasons. First, if you were able to tune in to the last two sessions, one thing we learned is that our words have great power. And considering everything we're facing today, we need to use them as such. And secondly, wouldn't you agree that in times of stress and change and uncertainty, we have a tendency to say some things that we wish we hadn't? I mean, speaking for me personally, and not just in the past couple months, I mean, throughout my life, there's been more moments than I can count when I've said something. And as soon as the words left my mouth, I thought, ooh, I, I can't believe I just said that. And that seems to be heightened when I'm under stress. So in many ways, this is in fact the best time to talk about our mouth and the words we're using. It kind of reminds me of a movie from 2012 starring Eddie Murphy. It's called A Thousand Words. Now I'm not vouching for the movie, but just the plot. See, Murphy plays Jack McCall this shady, smooth-talking literary agent who ends up deceiving a spiritual guru. And as a result, a tree just emerges in his backyard. Now, this isn't just any tree, because for every word that Jack McCall uses, a leaf from this tree falls to the ground. And when all the leaves are gone, the tree dies, and so does Jack. And see, what's interesting is Jack finds out that it's not just the words he speaks, but it's the words that he writes as well, and even gestures he makes. And I found that interesting because some of us have a tendency to type stuff and post it and not think it matters. Or maybe, maybe there's some gestures that we've used, you know, the ones that we use in traffic. When somebody cuts us off and we, we punch the gas and we get up next to them and we just kind of wave to them, hi, God bless you, you know, those gestures. Well, they count. And see, back to Jack. With his tree, he recognized that if he has to think and pick and choose what words he's gonna use, well, communicating got a lot more difficult. And you can imagine, with Eddie Murphy, the hilarity that ensues. Now, the movie's message and the meaning of the tree was to try to get Jack McCall to use his words more productively, to use his words to help other people. And I think that ties in really well to Sharon Thomas's message last week, where she said, we're powerful people because our words are powerful. In fact, words influence the quality and the direction of our lives. And I think you and I know this, don't we? Don't we? Because the words, many of them spoken over us, whether good or bad, they, they've kind of shaped who we are today. And it underscores Pastor Justin's words from a couple weeks ago when he spoke out of the book of James. And he said, hey, we need to be 
quick to listen, and slow to speak. But here's what's tricky about our words. Even though we'll all sit here and we'll agree, absolutely, I've said things I wish I hadn't. And I know I'm going to say some things in the future that I'm going to regret. We're still going to do it. We know it's still going to happen. So Sharon left us with three words last week. Remember, surrender, and confess. We need to remember that our words or our mouths can be dangerous and our words carry weight. We need to surrender this area of our life to the Lordship of Jesus. But most importantly, we need to confess. When we use our words that hurt other people, we need to go to them and we need to apologize. See, I find it really interesting that the same person, Jesus' half-brother, by the way, James, who said, be quick to listen and slow to speak, also said, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Confession brings healing because it requires humility. And can I say that this applies to the tone we use as well? See, we can say the right thing in the wrong way. We can still be right and be wrong. My wife and I sometimes, we're amazed at how husbands and wives speak to one another or family members speak to one another, the tone they use. And, and when we'll speak to them about it, they'll say, oh, I just couldn't, I just couldn't help it. And we'll say, yeah, yeah, you can, you can. Because if it was your boss, you wouldn't have used that tone with them. But it's your family or your spouse, you know, that's a marriage message for another day. But it says this, that's why the importance of our words, that's why the Bible is filled with instructions on our words. Because as Christians, there's expectations. I mean, we can't just walk around firing off at the mouth and then saying, hey, this is just who I am. It's just the way I am. See, I'm a breath of fresh air because I tell people the way it is. Well, yeah, it's air all right, but fresh? Mm. That's why God calls us to be more purposeful with our words. Now, if you're listening tonight and maybe you don't have a faith background and you don't consider yourself a religious person or you don't really go to church, that's okay. Don't turn off or tune out because I promise you, if you apply some of the truths that I'm talking about tonight, it will save you immense, unnecessary headache and heartache. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment tonight that though we are spread out all over the world, Lord, we are connected because of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we know that if we follow you, you will guide us to who we need to be and where we need to go. Father, may you do that with us tonight. May we hear the importance of our words and submit our mouths to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Now, the first couple weeks of this series... Pastor Justin and Sharon Thomas spoke a lot from the book of James. Now, James is a straight shooter. We're actually in a life group right now on the book of James, and we were all kidding the other night when we were talking about reading the book of James. Feels like you're getting a spanking by your parents. I mean, I felt like I was getting kidney punched by Mike Tyson. James is a straight shooter. He's going to tell you the way it is. But tonight, we're going to be talking from a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul can also be known for his stern words, 
but he oftentimes provides more context, kind of like, this is where we need to get to, here's where we are, and here's some steps we need to take to get there. So that's what we're gonna look at tonight. And we're gonna begin creating a little bit of context right now, if you follow me to the book of Ephesians chapter four. Now Ephesians is a, is a letter actually that the apostle Paul wrote in the first century to the Christians in Ephesus. So if you have your Bible, follow along with me in Ephesians 4, verses 17, going through 24. Paul said this, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness, and they wander from the life God gives because they have closed their mind and they're hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. And they live for lustful pleasures and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now, I know that sounds hard, but it's not so much of an insult as it is an observation. Paul was identifying that the Gentiles, they served many gods. Gods who were very self-focused. Gods who the culture supported. It was like might makes right. But Paul was calling them out of that. He said, hey, listen, there's a Christ-focused culture that we should be living from, one that pursues righteousness and holiness, and this is what we should be living from. And I believe those words speak to us as well today, too, because he follows it up, and he cuts through the culture and the circumstances, and Paul says this, but that's not what you learned about Christ. He's saying it to the Christians then, and I believe he's saying it to us today. That's not what you learned about Christ. And he goes on to say this, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. He's saying throw it off. It's corrupted by lust and deception. You know, another translation for that lust and deception says deceitful desires or selfish desires. See, here's the thing about selfishness. It's insatiable. It will never be satisfied. It may feel like it in the moment, but it always wants more. And probably the most insidious thing about selfishness is that there's a cost to it. Someone is always paying the price for our selfishness. So Paul is saying, throw it off. Throw off your former way of life. So he goes on and he tells us this. You've thrown that off. So now, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitude. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We're putting on this new nature, like God. Not a God, but like God, righteous and holy. You know, this new nature, it embraces and others first mentality. And I would say that the global pandemic, the, the times that we're in right now has given us ample examples of maybe some old, old nature behaviors and new nature behaviors. We've seen selfish behaviors from hoarding, right? And ignoring um, social distancing rules for self but we've also seen new nature behaviors, haven't we? We've seen it. Just to give a shout out, 
to our very own Cortez Higgs and his team at the Catalyst Effect and a bunch of people who built over 200 gift bags for our local medical workers. You talk about an, an others-focused mentality? Look at our medical workers. God bless them. And may he be with them and keep them healthy and empowered. That's others first mentality. And that's what Paul is asking us to put on, to put on and live out of that. See, what I love about Paul in this verse is that he mentions, you know, putting on that new nature. And there's probably a list of things that he could have addressed. He said, now that the old is gone, right? The new is here. I'm wearing the new nature. There's a list of things he could have addressed. And what does he talk about? Where does he go right into? Our mouth. He goes right to our mouth. He jumps right in. So starting in verse 29, he says this. Do not let. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You know, the Greek word for unwholesome in this verse, it means spoiled fish or rotten fruit. That's the origin of the word that Paul is using. That, that smell of just spoiled, nasty fish and terrible fruit. Now, I think he's saying that because our noses, they have a unique gift of discernment, don't they? Did you ever walk in your house maybe at the end of the day and as soon as you open the door, you're like, something smells. Or you open your refrigerator and you're like, oh, uh-oh. Or you reach for your baby. Something smells. Now, when we smell that, we don't just ignore it and say, oh, okay, something's rancid. What's on Netflix? No, we don't. We pursue the source of the smell. At least I hope we do. I hope we do. Words are the same way. There's a source to our words, and we're going to get to that in just a second. So you remember earlier I, I said that there are times that stuff just comes out of our mouth, and we're like, oops, I wish I didn't say that, or I didn't mean to say that. See, what Paul is saying here, he's saying, hey, don't let it. Don't let it. In other words, you and I, we're called to be gatekeepers. Gatekeepers of our mouths that we're going to allow what comes out of it. Now, for some of us, it's probably like we're holding back a wild stallion in a stable. And the gate's shaking and, and the words are just fighting to come out, right? Because you just, I just got something to say. I can't wait to get it out. Paul is saying you and I were gatekeepers. Hold it. You control the gate. And then he goes and he tells us exactly what to do and what to say in verse 29. Remember, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Only what's helpful for building others up. Another translation says, what is edifying for others. The root of that word is edifice. It's where we get, it's a construction term, like an edifice or a building. Paul is saying that the words that come out of our mouth, they're like construction material for other people's lives. That's what we should be using them for. Now, Paul's not saying, hey, be nice. 
He's saying, be helpful. There's a difference. For some of us, that'll mean dialing it back a little bit. But for others, it may mean that we have to say a few things that are difficult, but they're helpful for building others up. See, because the second half of that verse, Paul says, according to their needs. Building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Hmm, according to their needs. See, this is good because we have a tendency when we speak to speak of our needs. This is what I want. I need you to know how smart I am. I need you to know how important and spiritual I am. You need to know that my opinion is the most important. And so we dominate conversations. But Paul is saying right here, we should speak according to their needs, to build other people up. So I'm currently reading a book called Leadership is Language by nuclear submarine captain L. David Marquette. Now, in the book, Marquette created a, uh, a metric called a team language coefficient. In the TLC, what it really does is it represents the equality or inequality of speaking among people in a conversation. In other words, are individual members getting equal voice? It actually measures the number of words each person is using to ensure that there's an equal amount of input. TLC. Hmm, that challenges me. You know why? I'm going to be transparent here. Because I talk a lot. I talk a lot. I do. And I have to ask myself, am I listening more than I'm talking? You know, it was a couple weeks back, my wife and I were on a Zoom call with another couple. For, it was a long call, too, and we got off, and I was like, wow, it was so good to get caught up with them. And she's like, yeah, it sure was. Hey, babe, um, you talked a lot. A lot. And there were even moments that you were, you were kind of talking over people. And I was like, ooh, hmm. I need to improve my gatekeeping skills and better my TLC. It was good input, and that's what I need. I need to understand that, you know what? Am I speaking to build others up? Am I listening as much as I'm speaking? And Paul knows the importance of that. So he takes it a step further. He takes it even a step further and then says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Whoa. Whoa. What? Grieve God's Holy Spirit? Hey, look, ain't nobody signing up for that. And yet, we know those moments when it's like, ooh, I kind of feel a little bit of that, that, that conviction or I probably shouldn't have said or done that. But fortunately, if we remember last week, Sharon said, let's remember that our mouths can be dangerous. Let's surrender our mouths to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and let's confess. Let's confess. Going back and saying, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And that's why in 1 John, listen, 1 John 1, 19, 
or yeah, one nine, I'm sorry, says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And I love the second half. And he says, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, at that point, we can probably go home for the day. I mean, we've learned a lot. The point's been made, Paul. Be a gatekeeper. Don't grieve God. I got it. We're good. Not so fast. Not so fast. When I was young and I said something that was a little disrespectful, maybe I made a wisecrack or something, my mother would say to me, Stephen Michael, watch your mouth. I knew exactly what she was talking about. And I bet you do too. Because it's not a far stretch to draw the line between our unwholesome words and maybe an unsanctified area of our heart. See, I know that when that happens with me and, and I go into a devotion or, or some prayer time and, and I start walking down the hallway of my heart to open the door to the source of the smell. And normally Jesus is sitting right there and he's looking at it with me, that area of my heart. And he says to me, and maybe to you, can we talk about this now? Do you want to look at this? Yeah. Because of that, Paul recognizes the importance of that. So he picks up at verse 31 and he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Listen, Dr. Stephen Diamond in Psychology Today, he defined bitterness as a chronic and pervasive state of smoldering resentment. Mm, that's bad. But then he goes on to say, bitterness is one of the most destructive and toxic of human emotions. See, that's why Paul's saying, get rid of it. Ruminating over wrongs eventually show up on our face. It's as if bitterness hijacks our personality, begins to change the words that we use. You and I become that, that angry man or that bitter woman. And I can promise you, it's really difficult to be a builder with our words and remain bitter. We just can't. So we have to let Jesus work with us at the source of the smell. And it's that bitterness, it's the rage, it's the anger, and it's also, Paul talks about, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. You know, in his book, The Bait of Satan, John Bevere said this, many people, they're unable to function properly in God's purpose and calling because of unresolved anger and in resentment in their lives. 
Folks, it's like a virus and these emotional undercurrents, they infect everyone around us. That's why I love what the author of Hebrews said in 1215. Listen, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Paul telling us, get rid. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. That's where that source of the smell is. In other words, he's saying, get rid of all words that demean, degrade, and disrespect. Get rid of all words that do that. Demean, in other words, is saying you don't matter. What you think just doesn't matter. Degrade, you don't cut it. This is the standard and you're way down here. And we've all experienced disrespect, which is basically communicating with our words that you don't have value. Paul is telling us, get rid of all words, all speaking that demeans, degrades, and disrespects. And he goes on to say, and I love this, he doesn't leave us there. He says, there's a better way to live. And instead, Paul finishes with this challenge for you and me going forward. He says to be kind, be compassionate, and be forgiving. Now we hear that word kind. We've heard it since we've been young. It's so familiar that we just, yeah, okay, be kind to your brother, be kind to your sister. Okay, yeah, we hear it, we just move on. But this kind that they're talking about here, the, the original meaning of the word here means fit for use. This kind is, means fit for use. In other words, use your words in a way that we can be used by Almighty God for His purposes, fit for His use. Because when you and I are being unkind, we can't bring about His purposes in other people's lives. We certainly can't help them with their calling when we're unkind. So Paul is saying, be kind, be fit for use by our Father. And then he says to be compassionate, be tender-hearted. You know, earlier when I spoke about the TLC, the team language coefficient, and, and how bad we love telling people what we think, if we ever hope to develop a depth of compassion and tender-heartedness, then we're going to have to learn to ask more questions than giving answers. We have to nurture a spirit of curiosity for other people. And as we do, and as you and I learn to listen more, while tethering ourselves to the will of God, it will develop empathy and compassion within your heart and mine so we can help others, to build them up. And lastly, he says, be forgiving. Forgive each other. You know, the movie I mentioned earlier, A Thousand Words, it has an interesting ending. Spoiler alert. Jack McCall finds himself at his father's grave, and he only has three leaves left on his tree. So standing at his father's grave and reflecting on a tenuous relationship that they had throughout their life, he says... I forgive you. I forgive you. And in that moment, the three leaves fall to the ground. And the tree dies. And it appears that Jack has had a heart attack. 
but happy ending. Jack wakes up, leaf, tree is full of leaves, and he moves on because the lesson was for him to use his words to find freedom for himself and others. And I believe that's why we're here as well. Look, forgiveness is a message for another day. But I do know that if you're watching tonight, that forgiveness begins with just a willingness, a willing heart to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. It just begins there. But that's not where Paul ends. He says to be kind. He says to be compassionate. And he says forgiving each other. But most importantly, he says it just as in Christ God forgave you. See, that's, that's the anchor of the whole verse because we can't do these things that Paul is asking us to do without receiving that forgiveness from Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. If we're to be kind and compassionate and forgiving, then that is an overflow of us receiving our forgiveness from our Father. So as you're watching tonight, on your screen you'll see a button to press for prayer. If tonight you want to begin your journey of forgiveness for others, but even for yourself from our Heavenly Father, you can press that button right now and someone will pray with you in confidence. Tonight, you can begin your new journey going forward. It can look different for you today than it did just this morning because of what Paul is saying right here. And we can begin to use our words to build others up. So here's how I want to end tonight. I'm going to go back and I'm going to read our verses again straight through. But as I do, I want all of us to focus on two questions. One, hey, where do I have work to do? As Steve's reading these verses and, and I'm letting them just resonate in my, in my heart, where do I have work to do? And secondly, who hopes I get to work very soon? Let's start our reading in verse 29. Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He's identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Hey, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Where do we have work to do? You know, the people who are hoping we get to work very soon, they may be sitting next to us right now watching this. See, that's the thing about our words is that it's the people closest to us that we hurt the most. I'd like to give you a movie line. See if you remember it. In the heat of battle, my father wove a tapestry of obscenity that as far as we know is still hanging over Lake Michigan. Do you remember the movie? It's a Christmas story. That's Ralphie. 
And as much as I love Ralphie, talking about his dad wrestling with the furnace, and I enjoy the late Darren McGavin, I hope that in the heat of our battle, that that won't be said about us, but rather because you and I have been forgiven in the heat of our battle, we will be kind, we'll be compassionate, and we'll be forgiven just as in Christ God has forgiven us. Folks, again, there's a button on your screen. Press it now and begin your new journey moving forward using your words to bless other people. Okay? Have a great weekend. Stay safe. God bless you. We'll see you next week.